Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Bakari Sellers Podcast. Today, we'll be interviewing my brother, Los Angeles Laker, Danny Green, from the bubble, coming off of a great Game 2 victory against the Houston Rockets as they look forward to playing in Game 3. But before we get to that interview, I want to talk about the leadership uh, at my alma mater and uh, who was one of my heroes. I want to talk about the University of South Carolina. Particularly, I, I want to challenge Ray Tanner and I want to challenge President Robert Calson and the chairman of the board. I want to talk about their posture towards my hero and favorite coach at the University of South Carolina and the best basketball coach uh, right up there with Popovich, as you'll hear us talk about later. Uh, Don Staley, and what I believe to be an inadequate defense of a woman who means everything to women's basketball in the University of South Carolina. If you missed it, Don Staley wrote a piece in the Players' Tribune that sums up where a lot of black folks are, entitled, Black Folks Are Tired, because guess what? We are. She called out our mutual friend Nikki Haley's tweet regarding her support for uh, Georgia Senator and Atlanta Dream co-owner Kelly Leffler. She stated the obvious about black South Carolinians and Carolina grads that, quote, the athletic department need more administrators who look like us, end quote, noting there are only two high ranking officials in the department who are black in a department fueled by black talent. White South Carolina fans, not all but some, they predictably threaten to sell their season tickets and push back on the most successful coach in the history of the university at a time when no other sport is winning, if we're going to be honest. So to my last point about our athletics on decline, I think that Ray Tanner's on the hot seat. Football is our bread and butter, but I don't think anybody who has watched Gamecock football in the last few years think that we have a program that can win in the SEC under our current coaching. Our two-time College World Series winning baseball team is a shell of its former self. Men's basketball is solid. Shout out to my good friend, Frank Martin. And then there's Don. But... Notably, neither basketball coach was hired by Ray Tanner. They were hired by his predecessor, Eric Hyman, before he got there. So here we are now. We have a national treasure in Don Staley who speaks up for the black players across Carolina athletics, and we get crickets from our leadership. We won't get into the legitimacy of a president's hiring, but you see a pattern here where we accept mediocrity from others. But the best coach on campus who is on the right side of the players in history, has to fend for herself. Unsurprisingly, she's a black woman, and Malcolm X called this one. The most disrespected person in America is the black woman. The most unprotected person in America is the black woman. The most neglected person in America is the black woman. So first of all, Ray Tanner, I need you to get your act together. And listen to Don. We need leadership that both wins and looks like us because we don't have either at South Carolina right now at the top of our administration or athletic department. If a black athletic director is good enough for Ohio State, Florida State, Southern Cal, UCLA, Auburn, Stanford, and Michigan, they should also be good enough for South Carolina. Let's keep that in mind. Make sure that we're standing up for the black women in our worlds who are actually championing the causes and carrying the burdens on their backs. It's enough with the crickets from the University of South Carolina. Now on to our show with my brother, Danny Green. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training 
nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Welcome to the Bukhari Sellers Podcast, man. I'm glad to have you on the show. I know you're so busy, man. Tell me what's the bubble like. At least you get your family down there now, right? Yeah, um, they finally opened up families, kids, wives, girlfriends. Uh, so it makes things a little easier, but it's you know something you'll never really get used to. I mean, obviously you have your certain habits every day, um, so you get used to doing that. But, um, you know, it's just a weird atmosphere. It's different, but we're adapting, adjust to it. I guess it's getting better. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, as teams are coming and going, people are coming and going. I think it makes it a little easier, but yeah, it's a bubble, man. Day by day, uh, game yeah, by game. The more, the better you're playing, the the better it'll be for you. I guess so. That, that <laughs> I can see that. And y'all are in a tough series with the Rockets right now. And while it's obvious that they're a tough team, talk about what goes into preparing for a team with scores like Harden and Westbrook. I know y'all went real small in Game Two, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, McGee and 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 Dwight didn't get as much run. But what what is it like preparing for for Russ and James Harden, two MVPs, two of the best in the league? It's not easy, man. It's, it, it's tough. And the only way to actually, you said game one, we haven't been great in our game ones, but to feel a game, especially a team like that, it takes a game or so to feel them out. And uh, obviously you want to win while, you know, feeling <laughs> out or learning them. Uh, but we didn't game one. Uh, game two, we started to start feel them out a little bit more. Hopefully keep building and getting better with each game. Then, you know, different dynamics from all those guys. Uh, Russ will kill you from two, Harden from three, but everybody around them can, can shoot. So guys like PJ are stepping up, House stepping up, Eric Gordon's been hurting us. So we got to figure out how to maintain and adapt to each one of those guys. I mean, part of the blessing in game two was that Westbrook couldn't throw a brick in the ocean from a boat, but that probably won't be the case too long. That man, he catch fire quickly. Yeah, those guys are are very special. There's a reason why he's MVP of the league a couple years ago. Um, We won't have many games like that, so we have to prepare that he's going to be better, you know, night in, night out. Uh, from here on out for them, uh, especially James as well. They're going to make adjustments. So we have to be able to keep our adjustments, adjust to their adjustments, um, <laughs> try to figure out faster, and then hopefully continue to play our, our style of play. And, and that's, you know, pushing the pace, getting Brian at the rim, AD at the rim, getting mismatches and making shots on the perimeter as well. And let me transition to Jacob Blake and uh, you all's decision to speak out about what was happening in Kenosha. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you hear my family in the background, Stokely's a, a, a Lakers fan. He says, what's up? Uh, <laughs> it seemed like there was maybe a 48-hour period from when the video went viral of the shooting to players talking about potentially canceling the season, not playing. 
Talk to me how, about how those teams were communicating during that time in the bubble and how you all came to the conclusion about whether or not you would play and how players would address social justice issues moving forward. Um, it kind of happened abruptly, um, you know, with uh, Milwaukee kind of taking a stand. Um, we're glad they did. We followed suit and we got a chance to actually take a break and actually reconvene, refocus on what the bigger picture was. Uh, so we got a, a chance to figure out what changes we wanted to happen, wanted to make during that time. Because uh, we hadn't playing every other day. You don't have a chance to talk as much. It happened so fast, too. It did. But we got a chance to actually talk, communicate, figure it out. And then, you know, some guys were like, you know, we obviously love the game. We love to compete. We want to continue to play. And some of us have a chance to win a championship. But, you know, what's more important? What's the bigger picture? And a lot of them were willing to give up playing basketball to do uh-huh. right in the communities around the world. So we were like, you know what? We were weighing the options. You know, and one of the options was leaving. Uh, but when how we got close were y'all? I mean, I, I know the Clippers. They said the Clippers and the Lakers were like, "We out." How close were y'all just to hopping on a plane? Because I know as much <laughs> as you want to play and win, you like, man, we in the bubble, man. Fuck this. Yeah, <laughs> we could do we could do social justice work at home for sure. People <laughs> were getting antsy, man, being here, and at that time, families weren't in. So you know, guys were even more like, "All right, you know, we fuck it. Let's get let's get out of here." But um, <laughs> we knew we weren't gonna make a decision that quickly. We was gonna take some more time than a couple hours. You know, five or six hours one night. It was gonna take them a day. We got some outside help. Guys tell us, you know, it's better to stay here, use our platform to make change. So we, that's what ultimately the decision was, and that's why we're still playing now. But uh, I feel like a lot of guys, a lot of teams, a lot of people, whatever, because people have things outside of the bubble that are going on that people don't realize. There's a lot on our yeah. plate. Just being here during a quarantine, during a pandemic, now we're having to be politicians, but after you know, focus on so many different plates, uh, so many different things on the plate. And said so the guys have people that are very close to them that are also experiencing this police brutality as we're here playing. Yeah. Some of them have been killed. Some of them have been shot. Some of them, some people have funerals to go to. Some people have babies. There's a lot of things going on in their families. And we're still in a pandemic too. Exactly. And they're trying to figure out how to decide. You know, obviously they want to play and they don't want to be. They want to be there for their teammates. But to miss someone's funeral, to miss your birth of your baby, these are tough decisions you have to make daily. Um, so it's been. It hasn't been easy. Yeah, man. What role did the NBA Players Association play? We we hear about the leadership of people like Chris Paul and others. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, the Players Union works extremely closely with you guys and, and advocates for you guys, for those who, who may listen to the show but don't necessarily understand the role of the union. But what role did they play in trying to uh, navigate you all through this process and getting you the resources necessary? And I know one of the big things you had to talk about was you know, you got you. I'm sure not in this situation, but there's some professional athletes that do live paycheck to paycheck, right? Yeah, and yeah. and they can't. I mean, that that that's a that's a strong word, but that, I, I know some hoopers and, and football players, especially, that live paycheck to paycheck. They can't be missing that type exactly. of money. Exactly. So they played a huge role in that in that aspect. Michelle Roberts was was big, and obviously her team behind her. They gave us all information we needed if we were to stop playing. How much we had made back? How much we would lose? Uh, current CBA to the future CBA deal of what might happen, uh, what funds are in, put away, what funds are here. So that was huge uh, to have them around and, and help us, help guide us to a decision. But realistically, I feel like a lot of guys, today's day, today's league have been very fortunate with the TV deal that some guys are, were making pretty good money. So a good amount of guys are able to be walk away and be like, oh, okay, so for you know, some of the younger guys, we were more concerned with than our future guys. That's what the biggest concern was guys yeah. behind us. But they said there are some guys that are probably still living paycheck to paycheck, but we knew that, you know, realistically came down to it. There was going to be some guys that like they wouldn't be able to do without it. Um, so that's why we, you know, made a, a collective group discussion. It wasn't just a couple guys making decisions for all of us. 
it was guys talking to their teams, teams talking together in one room and figuring out, you know, how are you guys feeling about it? What is your thoughts on it? Um, are you able to, are you going to be okay? Like, well, some guys, I'll be fine. Some guys, I'm the head of my household, but, you know, I'm a two-way player, so I might not be. But I'm with the movement. I'll do whatever kids. You know, we'll exactly. figure it out for you. You know, so we'll figure it out for the younger guys and those two-way guys. But, yeah, end of the day, it's an agreement, uh, not the agreement, but the consensus or the conclusion that we came down to was best for the country, for the world, for our communities, um, yeah. and for us to help our communities was to continue to keep playing, um, not because of the check, but because of what would be more powerful of us being together and trying to make change here. I appreciate that. I know we were we were on your show. Tell the people the name of your podcast and how often it comes out. It's a dope podcast. Inside the Green Room, man. I appreciate you joining us, man. Right now, yeah. it's not as, as current or as often as it was before. You no know, playoffs, we only do in, in between segments. So um, as long as we keep winning is when we do it. So <laughs> in between playoffs. Well, we, we talked about this on your show. Yeah. Yeah. And during the season, we do it a little more often. But um, now, playoffs, we focus on the playoffs and after. And knock on wood, we've been doing well since I've had it. We've been so in, <laughs> in between series after we win a series is when we discuss um, the next upcoming series, the previous series and the next upcoming series. So why, do, why does Danny Green Why does Danny Green do a podcast? Is that something about your future? Do you want to be on when, when you're done? in I mean, you, you've been around the league for a minute. I'm not saying mm-hmm. you're going to be done this year, next year. But when you're done, what does that future look like? Is it something that you want to you be sitting up there with, with Chuck and, and, and Shaq and Dwayne Wade? For sure, for sure. It's definitely something I've looked into doing, staying around the game. But so we'll talk about it, analyze it. But I can't even take credit for the podcast. It was a friend of mine's idea. And he kind of knew that I was good with media and kind of wanted to get into it. So he was like, you know, I'm, I have this idea. I want to do this. And when he first brought it to me, I was like, I, I don't know, man. Um, it's, t- it's a lot of time that goes into this thing. People don't know. You would think it's not as much as I, it's not as much because they handle everything. I mean, okay, saying? Yeah. so my producer <laughs> and my co-host handle everything. So they make it pretty easy for me to just show up and talk. People think it's time. It is some time consuming, but I think the biggest thing was in San Antonio. They're not, they weren't big on social media. They weren't big on yeah. doing anything outside of basketball. So it was like, ah, and they're not big on media. You know, me putting out information or secrets or things behind the scenes of what's going on in house. Not saying that I do that now, but, you know, they don't want the risk of that getting out, you know, yeah, us, yeah. you know, speaking freely like that. So when I was in San Antonio, I was like, uh, I don't know. When we got to Toronto, I was like, all right, this could be a new change of pace. Let's, why not? We could try it out. And then it went great, man. So I, I, and I've never looked back. It's been going good. You know, since then, we've been going two years now uh, and some change. So, and it's been going well for us. It's been a lot of fun. And I've learned a lot about behind the scenes yeah. doing podcasts. Well, it's good, to, it's good to get this experience for all the young ballers out there. Make sure that you're trying to diversify because when basketball's over, you got to be able to do something else with your your career. Speaking of your career, though, the arch of your career or arc of your career, you have been the exception and not the rule where second rounders, uh, you've built a decade plus of, with multiple championships. That usually doesn't happen. I've been lucky, man. I've been lucky. You know, I've been what, what's, the, what's, the, what's the recipe? I mean, I... When you were at Carolina, I didn't know you were going to be a knockdown three-point shooter and could defend anyone anywhere. But how did that transition happen? What What's the recipe for your success? Oh, man. Uh, I, I didn't know that either. Neither, none of us did. Um, you know, <laughs> when you get to the league, you got to figure out back what your niche is, what they want to put you as. And I was never great at anything. I was good at a lot of things, but I wasn't great at anything. And that's the reason why I wasn't drafted high. I was like, oh, he's pretty good at some things. He's good at a lot of things, but not great at anything. So I had to kind of dictate or kind of figure it out and then, you know, perfect one thing. And uh, lucky enough, I got the opportunity in San Antonio. Like, this is what we need you to do. Uh, obviously, if you knock down shots, we have Tony Timmermano to create. We don't need you to do any of that. You know, so if you knock down shots, you'd be great for our offense. But defensively, you got to bring it every night. So they turned me into that in San Antonio. I had no choice. And then next, you know, 3 and D was a, a key thing in the league um, now and at that point. So I'll continue to perfect that. 
Um, and just make good friends around the league, make some good all-star friends who want you on your team, you know what I'm saying? So and be, on, be on some winning teams, play, play with some guys that are really good, and, you know, you get lucky, win some games. So, Man, uh, wait, but you, what's, your, what's, your, what's, what's Danny Green's range like? Because you see these boys out here. You see Steph and Trey Young and Damian Lillard talking about they want to shoot from they want to shoot from 50. I'm like, <laughs> you know, it, it count for three just like when Danny toes the line. It does. It does. So I, I used to shoot. I mean, I still when I'm in a rhythm, but there's no point in being that far back or shooting. <laughs> it's not as high a percentage usually. But so they have the ultimate green light. They are more of a rhythm, more of handling the ball and, and getting a feel for the ball, you know, throughout the game more consistently. But it's all three points, like you said, until they make a four pointer, it's all going to be the same. But is that I used to shoot deep range threes before. I still sometimes do when I when I need to. But you know, why not just get to the line? We get to where we need to be. Be a yeah. threat there. It's a higher percentage shot, I think, than it is further. But some guys they shoot a you know higher percentage from further out. Steph, Dame, um, but you know a lot of shooters, any shooter is really capable. Who, of who wins? Who wins as a shooter? You are a shooter now, but who wins? A, a, who is who is the best pure shooter with Steph, Dame, and Trey Young? Oh man, Trey's throwing the come up, but I start to say Steph all time, probably the, the you know the greatest shooter of all time. Uh, I think uh, there's Dame, a kid. There's a kid from South Carolina named Ray Allen who. Ray Allen was a pure flat yeah, out. Very good, Ray was very good. But um, you know, Steph obviously he he gets uh, more. Was that Ray wasn't a a rhythm more ball handling type of shooter? Yeah. Dame and Steph, those guys are point guards. That they handle the ball more. They have more rhythm shots. Mind you, Steph can catch shoot and and off the bounce. Dame is more of a off the bounce guy than catch and shoot. So it's all different and relative. But Steph's been doing it for so many years, some years now at forty five high clip. Uh, he said he gets enough up to where he's going to yeah. get a chance. You know what I'm saying? He's going to get 11, 12 up a game. You know, let's do is make four or five. He's going to make four or five. And with their offense, they, they get really good looks. Him and Clay, um, they play really good. And so, so the, those guys are the top two shooters in my book. But it's a, they, they get their good rhythm stuff. The yeah, coach they put them in position. They shots put, up, yeah. Their coach put them in position where they, you know, can thrive and, you know, be, be great at it. So, um, but even if they're in a different system, I think they'd still be great. And I'm glad the world got a chance to meet CJ McCollum because that boy can play too. Uh, oh, he can hoop, if, man. He can hoop. He's yeah. underrated. He's one of the most underrated guys throughout the league. But for sure, uh, he has everybody's respect in our league that plays. We know how good he is, but um, people outside looking in, they don't really understand that he's really an All Star caliber player. Oh, for sure. Now, listen, I had Vince and Antoine. They did a show uh, together, um, and mm. I'm sure you know those those boys were on the best North Carolina team to not win a championship. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they had a they, lot of they, talent, man. They they still they still mad about uh, <laughs> they still mad about the Utah game uh, when they got <laughs> beaten the Final Four. Uh, and I'm going to ask every Tar Heel who comes on the show after them that this one question: What are your top three Tar Heel teams of all time? Oh man, that's tough because uh, uh, some of those and it's easy to pick the national championship teams, but I, I'm not. Um, I'll be I'm obviously a little biased, so I'm gonna go with my 2009 team. And then the 05, the 05 team before I got there. Actually, I'm exclude my team. So the 05 team before I got there was definitely one of my favorite teams. And it's, who, was, who, start, who started Growing on up, team? watching, you know, Big May, Raven Feldman, yeah. Marvin Williams, Jawah Williams, all those guys. Uh, David Noel, Jackie Manuel, obviously Rashad McCants. Some people don't like to mention him, but, you know. Rashad McCants was a straight-up athlete. Rashad McCants, he reminds, he reminds me of uh, Ron Mercer. I mean, he could just a, go get a bucket whenever he needed to get a bucket. He was talented, man. He could do it easy. He made it look easy. You know, you know Melvin Scott, they had a great squad, man, so. It was fun watching them, and obviously Vince, Vince and uh, you know Twan, those guys, those days, Sheed and Stacks days as well. Those, those probably my my other uh, top favorite team when they were uh, playing 
Your 0-9 team beats all of them things. All those teams, all right. I don't know, man. <laughs> I think they had they have more talent, but I think as a group, we just had guys stay longer. You know, who yeah. who could imagine a team where you know Sheed, Stack, Vince, all of them playing at the same time if they all stayed, you know, four years. They all stayed for four years. That's tough. Who, where that team, you know, what that team would look like it would be ridiculous. That's tough. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. And now, so you've played against LeBron and now you're with him. Talk to us about what it's like on the court with LeBron as both a teammate and as an opponent. I mean, what's that dynamic like? Oh, man. I mean, I've seen him grow throughout the years. I came in as a rookie. I, I got a chance to be on the team with him. I didn't play much, but I've uh, seen him grow up, uh, mature. And off the court, he's obviously he's great on the court, too. It makes the game easier. But off the court, even better. You know, a better person. Just a big-ass kid. Likes to have a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> but great memory. You know, he's locked in. He remembers how plays goes. Knows where who's supposed to be where. He's a, you know, his, I want to say, what's the type of memory? I wouldn't say a... Picture Don't memory. ask me. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, like a yeah, like photographic a memory. Photographic thing. memory. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> something like that neither like, one of something neither one of us apparently had. Yeah. So <laughs> I feel like he has like a you know videographic type memory. If he watches or sees it, you know, he just remembers every play, how it went, how you know who's supposed to be here, who's supposed to be there. So he makes the game easy, and he also breaks it down. And wants it to be done the right way. He's not going to just let us go through something without doing it the right way. Uh, even in walkthroughs of film. So. But he's a lot of fun to be around. He's a big kid, has a lot of fun. Whether we're losing, how do you how do you uh, prepare for LeBron James though? I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about that now. I, I mean, most teams. <laughs> if I was most teams, I think most teams. Even when I was playing against them, they, they they try to make him beat you over the top, which is with his three point or make him shoot jumpers. But he's in that, and you're in a lot of trouble. But he's still what makes them those guys great all stars good or even you know amazing great players because you know what they're good at, you know what they're going to do, and they're still going to get to it and yeah. do it. And, and I mean, y'all, y'all had some. The Spurs defended him better than anybody has ever defended him. Sure, and with guys that are considerably, arguably the greatest of all time, is because they sustained it for seventeen years. See what I'm saying? So yeah, for you to do it, for, so you're 35 years old and, and know what he's doing, he's still effective at it, and you're not stopping it. 
You know, I, people like to, to knock LeBron sometimes because they say that he lost in the NBA Finals. And then I recall that NBA Finals that he, it was like him and Danielle Marshall and Sasha Pavlovich. And <laughs> yeah, it, was not, cool it, it was clear. Yeah. And I'm just like, that. that's a that's an interesting team. People can't even name the starting five on that team. When he went to Eastern Conference Finals, yeah. When they lost to Orlando, it's like, I don't know if they belonged to even be there. He put them in a position that, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Just, so for them to be making there was was amazing. So he's a, he's a special player and he got them there. But um, What's it like playing with Kawhi? Um, I said over the years, I've seen him since a rookie girl. Um, nobody expected him to be what he's going to be. Um, he came in just as a de- defensive guy, just a yeah. big body with, with the these build. hands, with these hands yeah. that are like ridiculous. So he was just a, a defensive, and he became a, a huge talent. And he started working on his game day in and day out, working on you know mid post work, working on his two, then working on his three ball, getting his shot right. And then he he became a superstar. You know, I won't say overnight, but it happened pretty fast. And then um, you know he started becoming a leader. And Toronto started opening up a little more, started talking. And being one of the older guys, experienced experienced guys. What Kawhi talks? He because he, yeah, he well, talks I mean, in the locker room and stuff. He talks all the time. But in San Antonio, we were the younger guys there, so it wasn't like yeah, oh, got gotcha. you. You know what I'm saying? So we had Mono, Timmy, Tony, Pop. We just listened. And we did what we were supposed to do. We had Toronto. We were considered some of the older, veteran, experienced guys. We had to teach those guys some things. So he did open up more, and I'm sure and I see it now. Him even and you know with the clips, he's you know having to talk and lead more, and he's also doing it by example at the same time. So. Uh, he made the game easy. So defensively, we were we took it upon ourselves, pride ourselves in being you know the best defensive front court, back court, whatever. Because he played you know many different positions. Yeah, the best defensive wings in the league. And I think there was a time where we kind of were obviously some arguably some good defensive back front courts or just wings. Nah, y'all, no, y'all, no, y- y'all too. The size and strength of y'all too out there. Well, and y'all yeah. can switch. Y'all can switch anything. Yeah, and Timmy made it easy for us. Timmy, Tiago, Boris, we had a lot of guys that could switch and guard different people, but them at the rim protecting them. We were able to get up and guard people on the perimeter knowing that we had help behind us. Uh, you know what I just realized, man? I, I just said Ray Allen, man, and I didn't even mean to say Ray Allen to you. Do you still think about that Ray Allen jump shot from the corner? Yeah, that- I mean, it, <laughs> yeah, it comes up. It comes up often. <laughs> and I, I try not to, to think about it. I mean, every time we talk about everybody, everybody's like, oh, you have three rings, right? I'm like, no. Man, everybody confuses it. Well, nope. <laughs> you, you were because that basically listen. I they were they were they were roping off the court. They was man. They jinxed us, and uh, it was like a movie. But on the, we were on the wrong end of it when yeah, that's happening. But you know, for the bounce away, bounced, kick out, end of the clock for him to get an open look in the corner. It was tough. Just, yeah, just tough. tough. So let me let me let me get back to this activism because I know you're in the bubble. I know how tough it is. I know you got you got things to do. But do you feel like we're in a unique moment where black players can speak out on black issues and not be penalized in the NBA, like say a Craig Hodges was or Mahmoud Abdul Rauf was back in the '90s? I mean, are we at a different moment? And by the for way, sure. Mahmoud Abdul Rauf, for those watching, is probably the only person who can shoot in the same gym with Steph Curry, flat yeah. out. For sure, Flat he was the original Steph Curry. He was the Steph yeah. before Steph. Uh, he was an unbelievable player. I watched a lot of his highlights. Even in college, he was un- unreal. Oh, uh, man, yeah. So, yeah, I think we're definitely in a different time where, you know, the world is just different, not just for athletes, but, you know, it's a different type of just social media generation. Everything is just different where I wouldn't say the world is – you just have to be more sensitive to everything that you're doing and saying now. From TV to social media to how you critique certain people, uh, back then it was it was a lot tougher, and some a lot of things they didn't care about. So for us to speak up, they didn't care. You know, some guys got blackballed for certain things, certain things they said and did. Um, but now guys can comfortably speak out, 
and they have to be very sensitive and understanding to what we're talking about because it's obviously a real issue. And, you know, they want to be, I guess, fair. They want to be, you know, attentive to what our needs and wants are uh, to make our, not just our league better, but our communities, our people better. And they know that we make up a lot of, you know, professional sports. So they wanted to, you know what I'm saying, kind of help cater to us. And then not just, you know, but everybody around all leagues, you know, they come from yeah. different places, you know, not just, uh, you know, black and brown, but, you know, foreigners, you know, get treated, mistreated differently over here mm-hmm. in, in America. So, yeah, it's definitely a different time, but a different time for the better. And I feel for those guys who, who definitely were the originators of speaking out and didn't yeah. get heard the way they, they need they should have been. And careers got, careers got cut short trying to speak out. I mean, there's a lot of it have to do with the fact that, you know, your Chris Pauls, your LeBron James is the proverbial faces of the league, carry the banner. I mean, those guys are allowing – because right sure. now it's it's like – but it's not just, you know, it's not just one and two. Like if you go back to your Spurs days, it, it's not just Tim Duncan speaking out and Tony Parker, but it's in the entire roster speaking out. But I guess it's because those guys are leading the, the charge. It's it's kind of like how AI when he came to the game, he changed the game, he changed oh, yeah. the culture. And when Bron, CP, Melo, D Wade, all the guys came in the league, they changed the culture. Because without those guys, there is no league the way it is now. You know, Bron, you know, people call it, he had his guys, he elevated his people around him to have a voice and say so and be in business or in the league and speak and negotiate contracts, made his own agency, that type of deal. And he's a big, you know, advocate for speaking out and making things right for our community. So all those guys, CP, D-Wade, being president, vice president, Mello speaking out, without those guys, we don't have the league we have today or we have the voice we have today without them making that cultural change when they came in the league and grown the league to where it's at. So you, you've been a Spur, a Raptor, and now a Laker. You played for iconic coach and pop for an iconic team in the Raptors. You took a – I mean, y'all are more popular than a Toronto than probably Drake. Sure. And now with the iconic franchise in L.A., talk to me about these three experiences. How are they the same? How are they different? Um, well, I have to give you the full experience when the season's over. This is probably one of the toughest things I've ever been through with the pandemic and being in a bubble. Um, but L.A. obviously is lovely. Uh, one of the best cities, probably the best city to live in. Ever. It's expensive, but it's worth it. Uh, but being in Canada, even though it seems like it's in the country, it's different. Uh, it has a small differences, but you know, the, uh, unbelievable country of people who support you. Um, San Antonio, same. You know, small, smaller market, but no fans like it. Every city I've been blessed to have fans that have been amazing. So I had a lot of fun in all those markets. Um, so that I can tell you at the end of the season what this market would be like and give you all the differences and, and, you know, advantages, disadvantages, but every single one of them, and I've been very, you know, blessed to go to be a part of some great organizations and, and be a part of some winning teams. Yeah, that's right. Is Pop the best coach to ever coach in the NBA? Oh, man. Um, he's definitely, and I, I don't want to... <laughs> That's a, different, that's a really shitty question I just asked you because you actually okay. are no. playing. <laughs> yeah, I like all my coaches. Don't get me wrong. And I think they're all great and just different. Pop definitely is one of the guys that molded me. So he's definitely one of the best coaches, I think, in this league that's ever come through this league. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to disrespect because my high school coach was great. He's one of my best coaches I've ever been coached by. And also I had a great coach, Coach Williams. Um, so they all molded me as well. Um, but in this league, so I've had a couple coaches. Coach Nurse was good. He was just different. Um, you know, Frank is great. He's just different. Um, but yeah, Pop, obviously, he's great, and everybody knows that. And there's reasons why. But there's other guys that are really good, too. They just do things differently. Yeah. But for sure, I'd have to say he's one of the greatest coaches of the, the decade or of the century, you know, that we've had. 
Yeah. Um, besides Phil, you know, him and Phil are the two, you know, exactly. best come through. So, so what, what about Steve Nash going from being cerebral point guard to now being a head coach? I mean, what's that? That transition has to be. It's going to be it's interesting. Going to have to, yeah. But I think it helps because he has a relationship with KD, him, you know, working out a lot of Golden State guys. I think he was going down to work out with some of them. He lived in California when he was retired. Um, he probably has some type of relationship with Kyrie, I would, I would assume. Um, yeah, you're not getting that job without the relation, without those he, two signing off. Got to have some type of relationship with him, but he understands the game unbelievably. So I couldn't see it being that hard for him. As long as he has a good crew group around him, he's been in the league for so long and he's been out the league and watching and studying. I, I think he'll do an okay job, especially having those two guys on that team just to start as a foundation. And you got, you know, Big Allen, you got DeAndre Jordan, you got guys, Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, you got Karis LeVert. These guys are really good. Torian Prince, these guys are really good. They have some good pieces. So that East is going to be very different next year. So you've also, you're one of the rare players who's won an NBA and a college championship. How different is it winning in all in college versus the NBA? Uh, I think it's definitely harder in the NBA. Um, it's harder. Know, you got to win six games in a row in 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 the NCAA for sure. tournament. With only six games, you have to win sixteen to win a uh, NBA championship. Yeah. But it might be harder in college because you probably need a little luck on your side because anything can deter that. But yeah. one injury, um, one night of not playing well, you know, you have to have you have to have a little bit more luck on your side when it comes to the tournament because you might have a really bad shooting night in the tournament and a number one seed could lose to a sixteen seed out of nowhere. We've seen it. We've seen it. We've seen it. Uh, but to try to beat a team four times, you know, in a series, that, that's a lot tougher. And to win 16 games, um, it's a longer process, a lot more games throughout the season. Um, they're both very tough, but I would think an NBA championship is a little harder. So as I let you go, tell people who they see you on the court, they know you can, you're a knockdown shooter, even though you were trending on Twitter last night. Did you do you check Twitter? Did you? <laughs> I, I mean, you have men to do in the bubble, man, but see social media trending always for the bad. It seems like. Um, and, and LA fans are going to find a way to critique you, man. But it is, it is what it is. You know, you got to find ways to ignore it, block out the numbers. What do you want people to know about you that they don't see on the basketball court? What, what do you want to leave people with? I mean, you're, you're growing into who you want to be remembered by and remembered for. What do you want those things to be? I mean, basketball-wise, it's always going to be recognized as a winner. It doesn't matter points True. and all that stuff. To me, accolades great and all, but that's not what matters to me is winning. And whatever it takes to win, and you know, I mean, sometimes I may be knocking down shots, sometimes I may not be, but I'm gonna still work hard, bust my ass, and do the little things asked me to do defensively, rebound, box out, uh, rotate. Uh, so the things that you don't see in the stat sheet, I'm gonna try, I'm gonna do my, do my you know, best of my ability. Um, but off the court, I so said just a, a guy that you know try to help his community, spread love, and you know try to help the youth, the next generation. And it was just was a fair, fun guy, that, you know care for his loved ones, try to make everybody happy around him. So that's what I'm um, talking about. Try to use my blessings to bless others. You know, that's the biggest thing to remember by, but on the court, so this winning is the most important thing. Uh, there's nothing else more important. Than well, thank you so much for joining the Bakari Sellers podcast. I know you're in the um, bubble. Thank you for taking time. And let me just ask you one favor, man. Just go win another chip this year. That's I'm my only my best. Favorite. I'm going to try my best. Man. I appreciate you having me, man. Thank you. All right, man. Be easy, man. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Yeah.